And today on the show, we're talking about saving your existing portfolio. And we are joined by Elsa Wolf. Elsa, welcome along to the show. Thanks again, guys. Great to be here again. And the key thing that we've realised over the last couple of months is with these government tax changes, a lot of investors with decent-sized existing portfolios are really worried about are they able to hold those? Now, for some people, as we've talked about previously, the right answer might be to sell those, purchase some different types of properties. But there is also a perfectly legitimate strategy, which is cash flow hacking those properties in order to get that rent up to pay that additional tax. Now, Elsa's been working with a number of property investors. And so over the next two episodes, we're going to go down that track and talk about what you can do or what these specific investors have done in order to increase the rent and be able to continue to hold these properties long term. So we are talking about how to save your existing portfolio. Now, Elsa, let's hand it over to you. Talk to us about this first investor that you've been working with, Sharon. And let's just start with the sort of properties. You know, what are we talking about here? Yeah, so Sharon is an investor I've been working with. She had one property in Auckland, a great standalone property that she has there in Royal Heights, relatively central Auckland. Fantastic. And just walk us through as well. This is her only investment property. Well, now that she has actually come over into the Accelerate program, we've now just secured a second property, which I'll go into awesome. more detail about as well. But primarily, she has had a portfolio of one for a number of years that's built some great equity, which has then given us the tool to be able to take her to the next step. Now, just walk me through, Ilsa, what was the cash flow on the property before the government announced the changes? And what would the cash flow be once that interest deductibility had been taken away? It's a standalone three-bedroom house, sort of a standard 70s house in central Auckland. The cash flow on that property was quite massively under-rented. So at the end of her last financial year, she had a neutral property. So she was after some heavy maintenance, actually, quite a lot of deferred maintenance. She was basically tracking it neutral. Now, having reviewed it in the wake of these government tax changes, she's looking at a negative situation. So roughly $3,000 after her maintenance and then tax so also is that as of now or is that being phased in? Have you averaged out? How's that work? So that's once the interest deductibility is fully phased in and fully implemented. Time. Okay, cool. So yeah. so in four years' time she's gonna find another three thousand dollars. So not not the worst that we've seen, but still not ideal when you're trying to build your portfolio. She must have bought that property quite a few years ago because the mortgage must be quite low. That's right, yes. So it was a a 900 square metre site originally, and she has previously sold off the back section through a subdivision process, and that was in order to bring her mortgage down. So she has a really good few hundred thousand dollars equity in that property. But having said that, she's had a tenant in there, which was great for consistency of cash flow. She's had the same tenant for four or five years. However, there's some serious deferred maintenance on that property. And unfortunately, year on year, her maintenance bill kept increasing. So in light of the removal of the interest deductibility, unfortunately, it looks like a very negatively geared property. And so that actually presents us with some great opportunity. Now, what I want to know, just before we get into what you actually did, I want to know your process. So you're looking at this property, it's going to be down $3,000 a year. What's that? It's about $60 a week, negative. Now, how did you figure out what you could do to improve that cash flow when you're looking at the property? How did you know it was under rented, for instance? Well, my approach is to understand the unique situation. So I start by asking a bunch of questions as to what her goals are, 
and make sure that her current property still fit with her strategy. I know that for this particular investor, she's in a relationship and she's now considering the fact that she may be leaving her salaried employment. So she really needs to look at increasing her passive income to replace her corporate marketing salary. So the way that we looked at how we could improve the results from her property came by by the fact that this tenant who's been longstanding for four or five years actually gave their notice. There probably were more people in the house than there should have been for a three-bedroom house. And what that presented was a lot of deferred maintenance. Upon going through to inspect the property, we realized that actually, as a single-story house, it was a large 130-square-meter property. So by looking at the floor plan, we immediately saw that we could easily add a fourth bedroom. Mm. The house already had a a one-and-a-half bathroom scenario, which is a full, complete bathroom with toilet and a second toilet separate. So that lent itself in a central Auckland situation to add that fourth bedroom quite easily. To look at the rent specifically, we took a number of approaches. So we looked at Trade Me to see as a three and a four bedroom property in that location, suburb and comparable condition. We looked at to see what other properties we're renting at. And we could already see because of a number of factors, one that the tenant had been there for a number of years, it actually hadn't kept up with the market growth of that roughly 4.8% compounding year on year. But also, as with every profession, you get your great and your not so great professionals. And unfortunately, the property manager that was previously looking after this property really hadn't been keeping up with the values. So that presented us with an opportunity there. And also, we went to the tenancy services website and could see that the current market rent based on the bonds that had been submitted in the last six months from new tenancies proved that this property was severely under-rented. It's really interesting you mentioned that. I think that often property managers, and I can say this because we own a huge property management firm, they take the path of least resistance. So if a tenant is willing to renew at the existing price, they will likely recommend we just review at the existing price rather than go to the market again. And I think it's really important to always increase that rent in line with the market because if you don't do that, it will be a big jump later on. And if it's recognised because someone like Elsa says, hey, you're miles out and you've got to go to your property manager and increase it by $150 because you haven't been doing it for $50 a year for the last three years, then it's much less palatable and much more likely that that tenant will leave in that instance than if you just you know have it increase every year. But then again, if you're accounting for that vacancy, those three weeks of vacancy that we always recommend within your cash flow, and you've been preparing yourself for that, then having your tenant leave perhaps is not as much of an issue. If they're giving notice. Yes, absolutely. But we budget for three weeks a year vacancy, yet the vacancy rate that we have is far less than that. So you are probably better off to have a week's vacancy or two weeks vacancy and get another $50. Yes, but that's what I'm saying is that um, you should take the risk Sorry, of letting that. I wasn't listening to what you were saying. I thought you were making it's a different It's always argument. like this. No, no, no. <laughs> what I'm saying is take the vacancy and try and increase that rent because keeping in line with market-led increases is incredibly important. And we I see concur. that. You know, Stats NZ, for instance, will show rental inflation of about 3%, but new properties on the market will generally show about 4.8% increases per year. So certainly there are a lot of investors out there who aren't increasing that rent over time where they otherwise could. I just want to say that also what was pertinent to this was that this investor really wanted to buy her second investment property, but she was hindered by the fact that this property was under-rented and upon her lending application previously being declined, it was because she wanted to purchase another property, but the cash flow of this existing one didn't support her taking on that increased loan amount. 
So by quickly showing her also on the Property Investor Mag that the rents that were turning over more recently for three bedroom properties in the area, that suddenly woke her up to realise that there was an opportunity to renovate and cash flow hack this existing property she had in order to make that next purchase. So what I want to know is, first of all, what was the rental increase we were able to achieve on this property? And then I want to know, what was the breakdown between just increasing the rent to a market level and then also adding the extra bedroom? So what was the breakdown between the increase in rent across those two strategies? So original rent first? The rent that the previous tenant was paying was $420 per week. Cheap. Very cheap. The market rate should have been around the $600 mark. As oh. Of, exactly. <laughs> so that would make it cash flow positive anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Exactly. But also she needed to fund the deposit for the next purchase by leveraging up this property to the new 60% LVR mark. And so by increasing the rent, which we achieved in the end post-renovation, $810 as a four-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom in Royal Heights, that opened the gate in order for her to be able to make her next purchase. And so you've almost doubled the rent from the original amount. And what's interesting is I just did the math on the jump from 420 to 600 and I averaged out what that increase might have been over the three years. It works out to be about $14,000 that they've missed out on by having someone that wasn't keeping on top of these market rents. And this is what I find with 80%. So yes, from the property management standpoint, I quickly advised her she should move to someone that I currently use who is far more on top of that exact analysis. Who are you also, using? Property Scouts Metro. Property management aside, Sharon is an example of, I would say, 80% of the investors that I do work with and that they are interested in property investment as a vehicle to create the wealth, but they are not interested in micromanaging those details. So yes. they employ the professionals. Sometimes it has, sometimes it hasn't worked out, but that's where I could pick up those details and, and show her what she was missing out on, really. So let me ask you this also. What did it cost to add that extra bedroom in or do any of the other renovations? What did we spend in total here? This was a significant renovation. We spent 90000 on this renovation. Yeah. The reason being for that, there was such a high degree of wear and tear that in some instances, rather than to patch some of the walls, what I ended up deciding with the investor, with Sharon, was that we go for a full renovation. In some instances, it's cheaper to replace jib and give it a fresh coat of paint rather than try to patch and piece together a really worn down property. $90,000 though was more than we anticipated and this is a good example of some additional costs that you can find once you open up walls and I'll take you through some of those details in a minute there. We added a bedroom, we went through the entire cash flow hacking principle list and implemented all of those six principles actually to maximise the equity on this. There was plenty of equity in the property that Sharon could then use as her deposit to facilitate the next purchase so she wasn't going to overcapitalise on this one. And just look at the numbers. So going from the 600 where the market rent should have been to the 810, that's an increase of almost $11,000. So there's a 20% return on that money and similar numbers just from identifying that that rent was under market value. And just walk me through, Ilsa, as well. What were those six principles? Again, I just don't have them in front of me, the cash flow hacking ones. Yeah, sure. So we did run through the entire six principles of our cash flow hacking system. So that first one, which was fundamentally to always add a bedroom. So we managed to find in this 130 square layout, there actually was a humongous kitchen and open plan dining area, quite uncommon for a floor plan of that era. So it was a pleasant surprise to know that we could carve out half of what was 
the existing kitchen and in its current state was a fairly original kitchen. We decided to cut off half of that, designate a fourth bedroom, and that still left us with a very, very large open plan lounge, dining, and then brand new kitchen for the resulting floor plan. So that was step number one. Step number two was creating that new kitchen area. And I worked with a supplier where we, we get a fairly heavy developer discount. So a very, very large kitchen, completely equipped with appliance package and an engineered stone top bench was about $8,000, wow. which was a fantastic deal, completely installed as well. The third step, which is reviewing the bathroom and the kitchens, we replaced all the fittings. There had been a large family in the property, which I would argue was actually too many people for the existing property. What are we um, talking? How many people? Seven. Oh, how do you fit that many people in a three-bedroom house? Sleep in the bed with your parents like you did up till the age of 12, mate. (laughs) It was 11, thank you. (laughs) It definitely had its social benefits. I think the parents were happy to have a grandparent in the house to look after the young kids, but it was definitely a tight fit in that property and there was a lot of wear from that. Yeah. So as a result, we did completely fit out the bathroom and the toilet. That was around about a $9,000 investment so completely new fittings for a bathroom plus an extra toilet there we repainted in some instances we rejibbed then we decided to completely tear up the carpet there were some gorgeous floorboards the original floorboards from the house looked quite spectacular and were in great condition to reduce ongoing maintenance Sharon actually decided to sand and bring a fresh light to those floorboards which would mean that there was less maintenance for her ongoing then we also completely repainted Interesting curveball that we did have, which is why the renovation costs probably $25,000 more than what we'd anticipated. Something that we couldn't have foreseen was that actually some of the walls we found were suspended and not braced to the floor. And the way we found that out was the builder taking measurements when we were trying to establish the new bedroom size. And he took two measurements at different parts along the same wall and came up with two different measurements. And so what he found there was actually the wall had been moving. It was fixed at the top, but it wasn't fixed at the bottom. So just before we wrap up, Elsa, let's go back over those numbers. So what was the property worth before this 90K reno? It was worth around 700000 Cool. We spent 90K on it. What's it worth after that? $1,050,000 after oh. a renovation and additional bedroom. Oh, that is a massive increase, a very good return on that investment there. And better cash flow of $20,000 a year, so you take away, say, $3,000 that they had to pay in tax in four four years' time, that's still $17,000 better off. That's a huge result. Yeah, extraordinary. I mean, on top of that extra twenty k though, you've got an extra part of tax that that's that's got to go. Only an economist would go that far into the numbers, Edward. But it's significantly better off. And actually, from that ninety k worth of reno that you guys did there, you managed to get about three point nine times that bank in terms of increasing that value up to that 1.05. So significant renovation there and significant benefit. The best outcome from that was the fact that that enabled her to make the second purchase, which she couldn't have done without. Yeah. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, make sure you tune in tomorrow. We're going to go through another deep dive case study as well. This person with significantly more properties and a different type of strategy. So I'm looking forward to that. And of course, if you are interested in this Opus Accelerate service, you want to find out more, I'm going to drop a link into the show notes where you can find out more about that or just go to opuspartners.co.nz Thanks for 
you're listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.